we're, we're in a teaching series just now that I entitled From Death to Life. And what we are doing is we're looking at Paul's epistle to the Ephesians and uh, looking at a chapter of that each week. And today I want to pick out some things from Ephesians chapter 3. And I entitled today's teaching Prayer and Purpose because both of those are a focus of the third chapter. Some of you who know me for, for quite a while, you, um, you know that there are certain things that kind of are important to me that might not matter so much to other people. Like back in the old days when we had 350 chairs in here on a Sunday morning, every Sunday morning I'd be in here early checking that every row was straight. Because God don't bless ugly. I, so, so, so it's just a thing. I, you know, I, I wanted to make sure every chair, and I, and I would do that every Sunday morning, making sure the chairs were, were, were in place. Now, imagine this then, when we're getting ready to do in-person services again, but the chairs have to be specifically spaced. So who did I delegate that task to? No one. Because... I'm the chair guy. I want to make sure the chairs are where the chairs are meant to be. So one afternoon, I'm in here with a list of how many groupings we need of what sizes. And I've got my, 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 my measure, my tape measure with me. And I am measuring. I'm setting up two chairs. I measure six feet in every direction. One chair, six feet in every direction. And I'm doing the whole thing. That's why our first Sunday back, somebody commented on Facebook, those chairs are too close. It's a good job they weren't here. I might have done something a pastor shouldn't do, like smack them. You know, I spent hours putting all those chairs where they need to be and getting them exactly straight. They're good. I just like order in so many things. My wife will say, what's, what's wrong with your closet then? But we won't go there today. Um, but I, I, like, I, I, like, I like ordering things. That's why, you, you know, when I preach, I've generally got a structure to what I'm saying because it kind of guides me through it and helps me to, to put everything in order. But then you've got some preachers who, some preachers like at times seem to be rambling preachers and they kind of, they, they'll go off in all kinds of directions. And I think the Apostle Paul was that kind of guy sometimes. Because if you read his epistles in the New Testament, sometimes he seems to start something and then he goes off in a totally different direction. And Ephesians 3 is a chapter like that. He starts it and then he seems to shoot off some totally different place. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1 says this, For this reason... I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Now it starts there. Then in chapter 14, he says, for this reason, it's like he started saying that, but then actually he shot off on a tangent for the next 12 or 13 verses. And then in verse 14, he comes back and says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. 
When you read the whole chapter, it seems like he started off and he was going to pray this prayer for them. But then he gets into something totally different. Now that totally different is important and I want to come back to it in a bit. But what I want to do first up today is I want to look at how he prayed for these believers. I mentioned in the the first week we were looking at this that Paul spent more time in Ephesus than he spent in any city during his missionary travels. He was with these believers more than with anybody. So he knew them really well. And here's his prayer for these people that he knew so well. I, uh, I look around here this morning in front of me and I think about others that I know because I saw it pop up on the Facebook stream who are watching and some of you I've known for almost 30 years now. Some of you, I've been your pastor for almost 30 years now. Darn, we were young then. (laughs) And then the other Sunday outside after service, I met someone who said, this is my third week here. And then last Sunday, I got that message from somebody that, that I don't even know who they are, but they're watching from Michigan. And I know this morning there are people watching from all over this country and other countries. And some of you, I don't know at all. And what I want to say is whether I've known you 30 years or actually don't know you at all in person, Paul's prayer for the Ephesians is my prayer for you this Sunday morning. My prayer for you. Verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, before I get into the details of that prayer, let me just pause here for a second and comment. Because I, 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 I love the phrase he uses here where he talks about every family in heaven and on earth. In the, uh, in, in the New King James Version, it, it translates it this way. It says, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I, what I love here is it's a reminder for what a special thing God has brought us into, his family. And it's a reminder that the family of God is, is, is something that actually is too big for us to even imagine. And it is enormous in its scope because the family of God is not even just restricted to this earth. The family of God this morning is on earth and it is in heaven. There is a family that, that spans two different huge locations. The, the English poet William Wordsworth wrote a poem about a, a young girl and she was one of seven children, two of whom had died. And yet she always insisted that they were a family of seven. And Wordsworth towards the end of the poem writes, the, writes this. How many are you then, 
said I, if those two are in heaven. Quick was the little girl's reply, oh master, we are seven, but they are dead. Those two are dead. Their spirits are in heaven. Twas throwing words away, for still the little girl would have her will and said, no, we are seven. We are. The family of God is on earth and the family of God is in heaven. There are millions of us who are alive on earth right now, but there are many, many, many more who have already passed on into eternity themselves, but they still are a part of this whole family of God that God brought us into when he redeemed us. We're part of the whole family of God. The scripture said, here's... Here's what I'm praying for you as God's family. Number one, I pray you grow stronger. I pray you grow stronger. Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. He may strengthen you with power in your inner being. Now, the New Testament mainly was written in the Greek language. And in the Greek language and the Greek culture, when they spoke about the inner being, there were three things they meant. The inner being first, firstly referred to a person's reason. Paul is praying that they become better equipped to discern between right and wrong. God's desire for you and I is we become better equipped to discern between right and wrong, to make the better decisions. Before we knew the Lord, we were blind. But God has opened our eyes and is opening our eyes. And God's will for us is we become better and better equipped to make the choices that are going to lead us to life and to be the people he plans for us to be. So the inner being referred to reason and then the inner being referred to conscience. So he's praying that their consciences will be strengthened, that they become more aware and more sensitive. A few years ago, we had one of those letters in the mail that you never like to get. It was a red light ticket. <laughs> so I got this red light ticket in the mail and it's there. And uh, Jill gave me the envelope because it was addressed to me and said, uh, I guess you went through a red light again. <laughs> so... Uh, I have had a couple of those. I like to pay them by check. And then in the memo, I write highway robbery. <laughs> it's a gesture. But anyway, so, so she gives me the envelope and said, oh, you went through a red light. So I opened it and I looked and I looked and I said, no, this is your ticket. And she said, no, no, I don't, I've never had a ticket in my life. This is, this is addressed to you. Now, here's the thing. Our cars actually were both registered in my name because I did the transactions when we bought them. 
right? So her car's registered in my name. Okay, and, and, and it's like, you know, so I, I point, I mean, if you ever got any doubt about, you know, where I drive the cozy, comfortable old man's car, right? She drives the yellow sporty Mini Cooper with the racing stripe down it, okay? So you know who's the wild one in this setup, right, okay? So here's the photograph. Guess what? The photograph is the yellow Mini Cooper with the racing stripe. And she said, you must have been driving. Really? Really? You must have been driving. So, so then we go down to looking at the date and the date and the time and the location. And I said, that was not me. You were driving. And she said, well, it's addressed to you anyway. Now, honestly, honestly, what I never knew, what I never knew until that point, I really didn't know it, was that even though you can make a right on a red light, you've got to come to a complete stop. I didn't know that, actually. I really didn't. I never knew that. Now, maybe I should have known that years ago, but I, I come from a country where you can't make a stop on a red light anyway. Never. So, so I didn't realize that. But then I learned it, and now I'm careful at red lights, especially ones with cameras, right? And, and you're the same, right? You know which lights are cameras and which ones don't when you're traveling on regular roads. But I became aware of it. And you know, one thing the Holy Spirit does for us is makes us aware of what's good and what's not good. And Paul says, my prayer for you is you'll be strengthened in the inner person, in the conscience, become more and more sensitive about what's right, what's not right, what's good and what's not so good. And that's an ongoing thing through life's journey, isn't it? Sometimes there are things that never used to bug us, but now they bug us. You know why? Because we've been strengthened in the inner person. Our conscience has been strengthened. And the closer we get to God, the more aware we will become of the things that aren't just the best choices for us. I pray your conscience will be strengthened. And then the third thing that he was talking about here when he spoke about the inner being is a person's will. You see, it's one thing to know what you can do. It's another thing to do it, isn't it? Or to know what you should do. It's another thing to know, you know, this wouldn't be a good path to go down, but sometimes we find ourselves pulled down those paths, right? Lord, we got one honest person in-house today. I'm praying there are more honest people at home watching. But, uh, right, right, but we, we dragged down that. It's like yesterday, yesterday we had, um, we, we had a neighbor came to our door to, uh, just to welcome us to the neighborhood uh, and brought us Irish soda bread right? And I determined when I got this Irish soda bread, um, because I try to eat healthily most of the time, that, that you know what, I'm not going to eat any of this Irish soda bread. But just like Adam and Eve, when, <laughs> when Eve picked the apple and said to Adam, hey, look at this, this is good. So my wife lovingly, actually, she did say to me, she did say to me, do you want a sliver, a slice, or a slab? She did. She did ask me that. I said slab, but uh, I ended. But but 
No, because I know that might not have been the best choice, but sometimes it's one thing to know the best choice. It's another thing to make the best choice, isn't it? And when Paul is praying for believers, and my prayer for us all today is God will strengthen us in the inner person so that the will gets stronger too. So that I'll do the things. Hey, it's a battle. Paul talked about it himself. He said, I'm a wretched person. The good things I ought to do so often I don't do. And the other things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. It's a journey. We're all growing. But my encouragement to you today is keep growing. Keep strengthening yourself. Strengthening the inner person. 1 Corinthians 16, he says this, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. I pray you grow stronger in your reasoning, your conscience, and your will. Growth is a continuing part of our lives. There's no end to it. But it has real benefits. In, first, in Colossians 1 and verse 11, it says this. It says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. As we get stronger, we are more able to endure and we become more patient. I pray you grow stronger. Second part of the prayer here for God's people, I pray you draw closer. Ephesians 3.17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. I pray you draw closer in your relationship with Jesus. This is not all about the church we belong to. It's not all about the preferences that we have when it comes to life choices, the values that we have. Those are important. But what it's really all about is a relationship with Jesus. And the thing we need to cherish and the thing we need to develop is a personal relationship with the Lord for ourselves. That's what it's all about. It's where am I at with him? I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith so that Jesus isn't somebody you connect with in a church service on a Sunday, but Jesus is somebody who in reality is living with you and you are relating to seven days a week, dwelling in your heart. When we, um, when we moved to the United States in 1991, we expect, I expected it to be a totally smooth transition because I'd visited the States uh, many times before, we've been here as a family. We've been here the previous year for an extended period. So I, it was like, I'm pretty accustomed and I know pretty much what life is like living in the USA. And then we came to actually live here. And living in a place is actually very different than 
visiting a place. Like visiting a place, we suddenly had a house with responsibilities. When we were visiting, we were staying in somebody else's house or a hotel. When you're living in a place, there's a lot of things you've got to take care of that you never thought of before. There's a lot of difference between visiting and living. Don't let Jesus be a visitor. Christ live. Christ might live in your heart by faith. Jesus every day. Jesus every step of the way. Jesus in everything that I do. Living in our hearts. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Not a, that's quite an amazing statement, right? But that's where God wants us to be. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. To get to the position of, of Philippians 1 and verse 21, which simply says this, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. I pray that you draw closer. Have a relationship with Jesus that is meaningful, real, and living. So how do you get closer to Jesus? Well, here's a real simple answer. If you want to get to know somebody, you hang out with them. You spend time with them. You dedicate time to be together. You listen to them. You talk to them. When Jesus is a part of our lives every day, the relationship will strengthen and will grow. I pray that you grow stronger. I pray that you draw closer. And the third thing here from Ephesians 3, the prayer here, I pray you know better. Know what better? Well, verse 17, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. What do I pray that you know better? I pray that you know his love. I pray you know his love that surpasses knowledge. Now that might kind of, you might look at that and say, well, if his love surpasses knowledge, why bother trying? And, and the truth is this, however much we know of the love of God, there will still be more to know. But, but our prayer is that you really know his love in a greater way. And in these verses, the Bible tells us how we get to know the love of God better. It says, it says that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to know his love that surpasses knowledge. 
together with all the Lord's holy people. How do we get to know the love of God better? We do it together. The great English revivalist of another generation, an era, John Wesley said this. He said, God knows nothing of solitary religion. No one ever went to heaven alone. No one ever went. Now, I know everybody has to make their personal commitment to Jesus. All right? Don't start nitpicking with me. I know, I know, I know that. I worked that bit out. But while our individual faith and salvation is a personal thing, our salvation is worked out, it is developed, it is strengthened in fellowship with the family of God and with the people of God. And his prayer is he prays that you'll know the love of God. He says, you know, I pray that you'll do that in company with the family of God and with the fellowship of God's people. Listen, the the church in general, this church as much as any, has got its faults. But in the fellowship of God's family, we grow in the love of God. That's where it happens. In the fellowship of God's family, we see his love in action. We experience his love from others. And we show God's love to those around us. We grow together in the love of God. I pray you grow stronger. I pray you draw closer. I pray you know better the love of God. That's the prayer of the second half of chapter 3. Let me just go back to the first half, though. He seemed to be starting that prayer in verse 1 and then went off on a tangent and then came back to that prayer later on. What was the tangent that he went off on? Well, in the opening verses of chapter 3, Paul's coming out of chapter 2 where he talks about salvation through the grace of God. He talks about how, how mankind has been reconciled through the sacrifice of Jesus. God has brought us all to common ground. Then he says God is building us together so that we are a building that God lives in who show and demonstrate the love of God to those that are lost. And then he comes into the beginning of chapter 3 and it seems he goes off and he talks for a number of verses and then comes to verse 10, which is the whole point of his, this kind of apparent rambling. Verse 10 says this, his intent, God's intent, doing all that we were talking about in chapter 2, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. Here's what the Bible is saying to us. The church is God's masterpiece. Now, something I really want to make clear here, you can be a work in progress and a masterpiece at the same time. We are all a work in progress. But the Bible says that we are God's masterpiece. The church is the ultimate demonstration 
of God's wisdom. What it says here in Ephesians 3 is, is, is that God points out his wisdom to angels, demons, heavenly powers, and beings by pointing to the church. Look what I've done, God tells them. In the opening of the the book of Job, the Bible tells us there was a, a meeting in heaven of all the angelic beings and Lucifer, the devil, shows up as well and he comes late. And God says, where have you been? And, 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 and Lucifer says, I've been walking around all over the earth. And God says, oh, good. While you were there, did you see Job? There's nobody like him. The Bible says Job was a perfect man. There's nobody like Job. So God starts to brag to the devil about Job. He said, hey, while you were down there trying to cause trouble, did, did, did you check out Job? He loves me. He serves me. And he will not deviate from that. And the devil says to God, yeah, right. Well, he does that because you're good to him. But if you weren't so good to him, he'd probably curse you and change his mind. And the devil challenges Job. Uh, the, God challenges the devil and says, hey, You can give that a try if you want. You can take away everything that he's got, but you can't touch him himself. And that happened to Job. Sometime after that, there was a meeting in heaven and Lucifer showed up late and God said, where you been? He said, I've been checking things out. He said, oh, did you see Job? He still didn't curse me. And some of you know how that story progresses. Job loses his own health after he'd lost his family, his possessions, and every mortal thing. But Job ended up with this statement. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And his own wife said, why don't you just curse God and die and get it over with? He said, no, no. God bragged about Job. Now, here's what it tells us in the New Testament. God brags about the church. The church is God's masterpiece. The church is God's showpiece. It's like, wait a second, I've got something I want you all to see. And, and, and God gets all of heaven ready, says, are you ready for this? And he pulls back the curtain and it's like, ta-da, the church. You and I, you and I are. God's masterpiece. He brags about us in heaven and says to heavenly beings, look what I did. Look what I did. God's intention from get-go was that his purposes would be fulfilled through the church, that his greatness would be made known through the church, that this world would be blessed through the church, that God's love would be seen through the church, that God's wisdom would be 
exhibited through the church. If mankind was the pièce de résistance of God's creation, then the church is its crowning glory. That's what the Bible teaches us. That's what the Bible tells us. I want to tell you, God has not pinned his hope for this world or, or, or for our nation on political parties. God's hopes rest firmly and solely on the church being the hope of the world. We are the hope of the world. We are the light of the world. We are the, we, we are the, the, the God influencers. Jesus made a very simple statement in Matthew chapter 16. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I love that. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against against it. You, you know what that means? That doesn't mean hell won't be able to defeat us. It means hell won't be able to stop us. Right? You know, and the gates of hell is not talking about, you know, hellish gates chasing us. It's talking about us tearing down the gates of hell. That's what it's talking about. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Nothing can stop the church of Jesus Christ. Nothing can stop the mission and the message of God. The church is the ultimate in God's wisdom, in God's plan. It is the instrument for God to bless this world. That's why I haven't been freaking out and I haven't been panicking about where things are at, about when to worship, how to worship, what ever to worship because God's still God. Jesus is still building his church and God's purposes and God's will will prevail. I'm good. I'm good. I don't know where things are going to go in the next weeks or month or two. It, it, it may be that we're told that churches can't meet in gatherings again and and uh, I don't know, but here's the bottom line. The church will still, man, man, I almost did it. I almost quoted a Bill Gaither song. And for, <laughs> see, see, they, they you know, that, that's great music. There's a song that they came out with. It must be nearly 50 years old now. It goes, the church triumphant is alive and well. And I want to remind you today, the church triumphant is alive and well. In person, not in person. Here, there, wherever, the church triumphant is alive and well. In fact, in fact, you, you, you know what? It was like when, it was like in, in, in March when we stopped having in-person gatherings. It was like, oh, that stopped. But you know what happened there? It was almost like whack-a-mole on steroids because you knock the one thing down and then we popped up all over the place. And we're still popping up all over the place every Sunday morning. And guess what? God used that to expand his purpose to take the message even further. And it's like, whoa, maybe God knows what he's doing. The church is God's masterpiece. Jesus is building his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. You and I are part of something this morning that not only spans heaven and earth, but we're part of something that cannot be, that cannot be defeated, that cannot be destroyed, that cannot be brought down, but will grow and grow and grow as we bring light and hope 
and the love of God to a needy world. And as we do that, as we do that, I pray that you will grow stronger, that you will draw closer, and you will know the love of God better. Because I want to tell you this, the best days of our lives as individuals and the best years of our life as a church are still ahead of us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together, can we? Father, we thank you today that you have drawn us out of darkness into your most marvelous light. You've taken a hold of us who were nobody and you've made us the people of God. You've brought us into your kingdom, to your church and made us part of your purposes. And Father, I pray you'd help us to grow stronger. I pray, Lord God, that we might come closer to you. And I pray, Lord God, that we might know your love more and more so that we will be your message of hope to those that are around us. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, we pray, Lord. Amen. 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 God bless you.